Tuesday to 12th of February, this is I Developer Podcast, episode 78. Mr. John Fox, welcome. Hello, Mr. Scotty. Not only is it the 12th of February, it's two days from Valentine's Day. Are you prepared? Yeah, I don't do Valentine's Day, do you? Uh, I have no choice. I mean, I, yes, I do. That's <laughs> <laughs> point. No, I don't. I mean, yeah. Why, why would I go out to a restaurant? Uh, on the day they're going to charge me twice what they're going to charge me for it if I just go the following day. Very what, a com- what a commudgeon. What a miserable old git. Precisely. Speaking of which, <laughs> hi yeah. Simon, how are you? Yeah, welcome to our guest, talking <laughs> of miserable old gits. With me today in the studio, right next to me, is Mr. Simon Wolf. Okay, chat room, everybody out there, let's go. Let's say hello to Simon. <laughs> And he did that without me grabbing hold of anything at all. <laughs> okay, before we lose our final listener. <laughs> Hi, Joshua. Um, let's uh, uh, let, let's get on with the show. Um, what we thought we'd talk about today is this um, this the concept of being an indie developer, and actually how um, the fact is, actually, the reality is the code isn't that important. And yet, as developers, we want to make it the most important thing. I am just wondering how many people have set off, set off on an indie dream. Um, or you know, how many unfinished projects, hashtag, <coughs> um, are there on, <laughs> on, on hard drives around the world? Um, because the whole focus of um, someone setting out on the indie, indie dream has been to... Um, write this product. Whereas if you look at any other product development in the world outside of coding, what people would first of all do is test the market and find out if actually anybody wanted their product. Um, they would do business analysis, they would do business marketing, they would do um, testing to see uh, what was going on. And yet we as developers just somehow think that if we can make a better spanner or you know, a, you know, the product is going to be technically better than someone else, that, of course, everybody's going to come flooding to it. And you know, how big a problem is this? So that's the this whole topic area I want to open up. Um, if there's nothing left to say, we can finish the show. So, you know, am I speaking a, a truth that is uh, or being too generalistic, or am I being, um, you, know, uh, you know, am I just being you know, a prat? I don't think you're being a prat. I think that there there are some hard realities that that a lot of people you know may not have learned yet. You have to say it. I mean, you you have to be very realistic about this. That you know, you're exactly right. That the code is probably the least the least important part of of success of of, of being a you know having a successful indie indie product. I, th- I mean. Who, who would argue otherwise? No customer says, oh, wow, I can tell that these loops are really tight. No one. Yeah, I mean, okay, there's a difference between what a product looks like, what your product looks like, um, and, and you know, what the code's like. But, you know, you know okay, how big a part of, a, of, a, of an indie business should the actual production of that first release 1.0 be? 50%? I would go down to say it's actually the whole release of a product, the coding of it should be more than 20% tops. I, th- I think it's got to be a bit higher than that 
because you've got to have code that works, you've got to have code that's stable and functional uh, without running really, really slowly. So I think that there is an aspect, and I think it's bigger than 20 or 30% of your product that is code, and I think you've got to have some coding ability to get something out there that's good. However, the whole business side is big, and I think it is bigger than a lot of people think, and it's not just working out the financial side. It's not just working out sales tax and invoicing and how you're going to process payments. There's the whole side of sort of marketing um, that goes with it and PR and advertising. And I think there's a, an element of difficulty there in that developers by nature can be fairly reserved people. And so if you're saying to somebody who's naturally reserved and, and naturally shy go out and market this and go out and talk to people and go out and promote this. And by the way, you've also got to do PR, which means that you can't make any hideous uh, mistakes or put your foot in your mouth too much. It's almost like a huge, huge challenge to a lot of people. It's I, I, I have spent the last, this just is just a why we're discussing this today, um, based on some conversations I've been having with Simon this afternoon, but I've spent the last um, probably three or four months, mainly I've taken all of my reading and all of my podcast listening um, and screencast watching away from technical podcasts to business-based uh, stuff, um, just trying to work out, you know, what is this big world of business out there? And, you know... Uh, it's maybe realize that you know every time I try and do something, I think like a developer, and yet the people I'm probably doing stuff for don't. I'm not talking about I develop a TV here. Obviously, that is to developers, um, but anything else I do, you know. And it's it's I, I'm just interested. I'd love to do a survey out there of indie developers of how many developers actually did any research, and I'm not just talking about um, a little bit of web browsing or googling for half an hour. Um, or did any sort of uh, surveys or um, landing pages or any sort of analysis for their product to find if anybody actually wanted that product before they spent you know six months writing it? Although there is a flip side to that in that Steve Jobs was famous for not doing customer research and he was famous for saying people don't really know what they want until you give it to them. So there's an element of... Steve Jobs also had £100 billion in the bank every time he launched something. Yes, but... Uh, that doesn't mean that that his philosophy was wrong. Having the having the money behind you to do the advertising and the marketing doesn't necessarily mean that his basic premise was correct. That if you sit down and explain a product idea to somebody who's not a developer, it's very difficult for them to conceptualize it. If I sit down with somebody and talk to them about a feature in pages or numbers or something like that, unless you're actually showing them, it's very difficult for them to grasp what you're talking about. Oh no! Don't, don't get me wrong. You're, you're, you're too. You're, you've done the developer thing already. You've just spoken about features. I'm talking about does anybody even give a crap if this thing exists? But what problem, you know, what problem am I, you know, all, all good software solves a problem of some form. Okay. Yes. It might be I've got 10 minutes on board is the problem and you want to entertain new, but most, uh, you know, good software should solve the problem. How many of us, you know, so often, you know, how many of us actually find out, does the problem we think exists actually really exist? Do we prove that the problem that our software is trying to solve is a real problem that real people have? I would guess that most developers at least talk to a few people. Now, it may be that they're talking to the wrong sort of people, and they should probably talk to more people, but I would be surprised if anybody 
starts working on a project without having talked to anybody at all about their idea. All right, so John, do you think talking? I'm, I'm asking these questions seriously because I'm really not struggling. I'm really sort of trying to wrestle with this stuff right now. To you, know, um, you know, do we as Indies need to break out of being developers and become businessmen and start looking at the business practices of of other businesses and bigger businesses um, and more successful businesses? Because let, let's face it, okay, um, we work in an industry where the vast, vast majority of people fail to become indie. Yeah, I, I think it's whether whether you say they fail to become in, indie or not. That's not the the issues that the, the, their product or their their offering fails. I mean, you know, and, but but that's that's generally true anyway of, of any enterprise, indie undertaking. The vast majority will fail for for lots of different reasons. Okay, so um, Joshua in the chat room has just said all of his products solve one of his problems. Um, well, I mean, is that, I think is that a good, good reason to do something? Well, it's how I mean, you get ideas, though, isn't it? For something, you'll have an idea of something because it's a problem that you need to solve, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing: it's like you know, you, you, whether you speak to a hundred people or just to yourself and 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 the the other voices inside your head, you know, it, something's got to motivate you to work on something. You know, I started, I, I created Memory Miner because I could not do it; I was that motivated to do it for my own personal reasons, and it, it's had plenty of critical success, reasonable commercial success, but it's by no means, you know, you know, some some hit single. But I have absolutely no regrets from it, from it, and it's gotten me all sorts of other things, and, and I've been able to, 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 to work on it while doing client work, and I'm even able to work on it now while I'm working for the man. So, you know, it, 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 I think the, the, the other way of looking at it is, is, is thinking about, you know, what is it that you're looking to get out of the development of a product? I think, if nothing else, <clears throat> if people haven't been disabused of the, motion, of the notion that you create a product, put it on the App Store, and, and then, you know, step three, profit – that 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 was hardly ever the case, but for a tiny, 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 tiny handful of people, and I, I have a hard time seeing how it's the case for anybody starting out now. So you're saying, actually, for the vast majority of people who are iOS indies, uh, earning their living from putting an app in the app store is not the goal or the desire, or shouldn't be the goal or the desire. I, I you know, I think if you're honest with yourself, it's not the desires. It's, you know, there's there's certain type of people saying, "Hey, I want to be able to say I've got an app on the App Store." It's kind of like whatever, almost like a whatever a notch on your belt or you know, an item off your bucket list that you can cross off. But I think that that I think it's 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 misleading to say, "Well, you have to become a good businessman because." Are you going to do it? You might become better at it. You might get a better sense of how it's doing. I think that, that you know one of the conclusions I came in the, my, my my talk last summer was that you know you you have to find good collaborators, and that that is much more realistic. And I think that one way of looking at it is that if you you know I have mixed feelings about it, but if you can't convince somebody to work on it with you, maybe you know then then you should rethink the possibilities of it being successful because it, you know you can't possibly do it all and if it, and if it's not if you can't formulate the discussion of it or somehow become convincing enough for one other person at least to, to work on it with you how are you going to convince a bunch of people to to buy it i think i think the trouble is we get it, it we get wrapped up in in this sort of um dreamy world the voice you call it the voice in your head almost the, the industry voice in our head whereas we have a friend here um who lives in tetbury where i am small small town who over the last two or three years has um 
been developing iOS and Mac products, moved from being a contractor into um, just releasing his own products. For the last probably 18 months now, he has lived solely off the income of his products in the App Store. Um, and he has probably broken almost every single rule that a good developer will sit there and say, like, make sure your UI is really, really slick. Make sure this is that. He, he does something that's minimum. He does something that just about works. He puts it out there. He churns it around and then changes it and churns it around and changes it. Um, adds a bit more. He refused, absolutely refused to follow the pricing um, slide to the bottom and put his app in. It a, you know, his first iPhone app was $15, $15 for the base thing and then every other thing you put in there from in-app purchases is another $15. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, yesterday he was number one in the business apps in the Mac App Store uh, for grossing um, applications. And yet, you know, we would sit here on our sort of uh, industry pedestals saying it's all about this and it's all about design and it's all about slick code and all that. And he would say, crap, it was about me developing a product, getting out the door and making some darn money from it. Mm. Well, yeah, more power to it, but you're exactly right. It's like it's easy enough to pontificate. I mean, but I don't know. I feel, I feel, uh, you know, uh, uh, perfectly, perfectly, you know, reasonably able to, to pontificate because I've, I've had had the experience. But I, I think there are different aspects of indie developer life that you have to have to look at in terms of business. There's, there are indie developers who spend their entire indie life doing contract work for other people. And for that sort of business, you have to be very good at managing clients and um, doing your bookkeeping and chasing invoices and dealing with contracts. And, and you're doing that across a, a wide range of businesses and a wide variety of people. There's the sort of the indie developer, as you say, who strives to get applications in the stores um, or sells them directly. And that's their source of income. That's their only source of income. Um, and particularly with something like the App Store, at that point, your developer focus or your, your business focus goes more on marketing and uh, promoting your product. And because you're just getting sort of a single payment from Apple each month, the bookkeeping and, and that general side of business becomes less important. So there are, there are different aspects of it. And I suppose it depends on what the aspirations of the developer are. Now, most developers, I would have thought, whether you are a, sort of a career work for other people, developer or not, you would like to have something in the app store of your own. I would guess that an awful lot of developers have this dream of, I will have apps in the app store and I will make most of my living off that so that I can lie in bed asleep at night and know that my software is earning money for me and that's the dream that I want. And that's that's a very almost uh, that side of the business has changed a lot over the last few years that's now become the side where you do need to do the marketing you do need to make sure you've got a product that's got mass appeal you need to worry about the pricing structure you need to worry about what the competition's doing you need to worry about what apple are doing with the app store whereas a few years ago when you were selling this sort of stuff directly through your website it was different challenges that you faced um it was all still there you still needed to market to promote it but it wasn't quite to the same degree because you're product wasn't one that was just buried in amongst tens or hundreds of thousands of other applications that you were relying basically on people finding or people having recommended to them or people reading reviews of. So the, the business of being an indie developer has evolved in it, in itself because of what Apple has done recently. Yeah, I see. I don't think anything's probably really changed too much here. The sales mechanism has. 
But I don't think anybody who is... Okay, this is a very generalised statement. I have no statistics to back this up. But, um, you know, I'm a podcast host. I'm allowed to be opinionated. And everybody can just tune out if they don't like it, as they do. Um, But, you know, I would say anybody who has a successful product that they are living off the income from from the App Store, they are not relying on people finding their app in the App Store. They are probably doing good, solid marketing and promotion and um, you know stuff around that uh, outside of the app store that then drives a customer to the app store um, the app store is actually um, I think for successful products no different to you know a Kaji or a fast spring or a whatever else it's actually just a payment mechanism for the people who are succeeding but it has massively increased the number of developers and the number of products it has. And so in that situation, people who had successful products before the App Store probably haven't seen much difference because they've still got the word of mouth, they've still got the loyal customers, they've still got the, the brand name, effectively. New developers coming into it, I would say, face a harder challenge because there's more competition. I was I was um, in a room with a um, some senior people from one of the better-known large Mac application companies. And I can't remember if this was a confidential conversation or not, so I'm not going to mention Glad who they anyway. are. <laughs> um, uh, and they revealed that uh, the, the sales of their Mac apps had trebled with the invent- in, in, uh, introduction of the Mac App Store. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure they have, and I'm sure that's happened with a lot of people, simply because in the days before the Mac App Store, most users, and I bet it was a very high percentage didn't really go out and install or buy third-party applications, but the app stores made it in the same way, particularly actually, that it happened on iOS, that suddenly there's a very, very simple, easy way for people to go out and not necessarily discover new applications, but install them and buy them. Um, so that has, has has changed. Apple have massively changed the market, and they've massively increased the market of customers for indie developers but hand in hand with that is this whole issue that your application is now swamped by other applications. There's been the whole issue of the, the race to the bottom. Um, so the challenges have changed slightly. But you see, the race to the bottom, that's a business issue. Because you know Michael Jurowitz, who, who is the um, head of tool, developer tools evangelism in Apple until just this last summer, he's going to be at NS Conference this year. And I already know what he's going to stand there and tell every developer in the room. He's going to tell you, at minimum, double your price right now. Right this moment, he will. He's been doing the statistics. We've had this discussion on the show before. He's been through anything that you see in the top grossing area has a decent price. Being number one is on on numbers is irrelevant. If making a living is about the price, and the people who are making a living are treating it as a business, not a popularity contest, and are making business decisions, not being driven by the rest of it. And I think this is where we have a. I think, whereas indie developers, we have uh, a naivety about um, all this, you know, we we know how to develop an app and we develop the app and then everything else we do is driven by almost like this rumour or this ethos that's around us as opposed to, you know, 
we wouldn't go out and um, develop an application based on I think I think you know development roughly works this way and if I just throw some stuff in here and you know a bit of this and a bit of that the app will work and yet we run the business that way and yet business is just as technical to run and to, and to be examined and yet we don't focus that way because as developers we don't and is that why we don't see people um, succeeding where actually their products should succeed I, d- I don't know if you don't see people succeeding because I think plenty of developers do succeed they could probably do better um, than they do um, and I think there are a lot of opportunities that developers miss and I think there is an awful lot of naivety people have I mean almost putting it over in, into sort of your terms there's been this uh, situation historically through people who write for example tools for developers and they have the devil's job selling it because most developers think when they see a product I could write that myself I'm not going to pay $20 for that because I can write it now the fact that it will take them days and days and days or weeks and weeks and weeks to write it and therefore actually the cost of them buying it completely offsets any thoughts that they're having about rewriting it themselves doesn't come into it for them because they're not thinking as business people and it's 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 difficult because you go into software development because you like writing software you don't go into it thinking I'm going into this because I like business and I quite like writing software on the side. That is probably changing, and certainly for indie developers, it probably does need to change. And I think a good example is, is um, Michael Simmons, who is what I would term a marketing guy, and he works with a developer who does the product. And I think that sort of merger of skills works really well, and the two of them work as a really, really good couple and they've got a guy who can develop the product and they've got a guy who can go out and market it so they don't have that whole thing of actually I'm a single person who needs to do both and maybe that's what um, some indie developers need to start thinking about doing if they don't want to embrace the business side if that doesn't interest them at all maybe find somebody who does enjoy it and somebody who is better at it than you and has more experience than you and, and has more enthusiasm than you because it's a lot of the selling of a product is, is done on the enthusiasm you've got for it. And a, and a developer, because you know the thing inside and out, and because you spend hours and hours working on it, you can be enthusiastic about it, but portraying that to people can be quite difficult because you're also slightly jaded by it, and you now just want to get the thing out and you want to see if the sales come in. So maybe you do need a marketing person to come along and inject some buzz and some enthusiasm into it all and to help you drive your own business forward. I think I, I wouldn't... I totally agree what you, you said there. I think if that stuff doesn't interest you, then you need to be with someone who, who does. And if you look at it a lot, I know, I know these companies have grown up for a long time, but if you look at a lot of the companies who we really admire, people like Rogue Amoeba, Omni, Panic, all these sort of people, um, you know, they had people with multiple skill sets involved to, to, to do that. And you can, and often you look at a partnership where that company started and there were two very different people. And yeah, that's a good message. If you don't want to be everything those two people are, don't set out to be in an in, being an indie. I think we get this. Uh, I think this this um, element that comes in our head the same way when we see a tool or um, you know, and we all do it. So I subscribe to the blog about is it Cocoa Controls, which every day puts Cocoa con- you know new open source Cocoa Controls up, and every day you know a, a control goes by and, it's, and that looks really cool. But my immediate thought is yeah, but I could probably write that myself. <laughs> every time and the fact that someone spends six months on it is irrelevant yeah my, my thought is yeah I could probably write that myself um, and, and and I think we take that mentality into the other stuff we do and the trouble is we can't do it ourselves because we're, we're not 
we're not you know necessarily good at it or prepared to put the time into it um or or, or whatever else and it's um but it's not just marketing because you know you cannot market well you can i guess if you've got lots of money and also yeah marketing a bad idea isn't you know marketing a, a a product that doesn't really solve the problem people have it, it you know it goes more than marketing this as business the business side of what we do is far more about problem solving um determining if there was a market to market to in the first place um you know is is there enough people out there who are going to buy the app to make this um justifiable to spend six months or a year developing it all those sorts of things i think we as developers are really bad at and the um you know, and it sounds like I'm trying to put people off the indie dream. No, actually, I want to encourage people into the indie dream. But if you're going to go into it, do it properly. Don't go in there as a developer. Go in there as a business person who can develop. So are we seeing, I know we've sort of touched on this before in the past with designers. Are we seeing the era of indie developers where you either as a, a, a business entity, you, you partner up with people or you do it on a sort of a contract, more informal basis. You need to partner with a designer. You need to partner with maybe a, a web guy if you've got web services in your application and you now need to start mark, uh, um, uh, going into business with a marketing guy and somebody you can bounce ideas off and somebody will take your idea and be the one to publicize it and, and uh, evangelize it and spread the word about it. Are we reaching that point where the day of... A guy sitting in his bedroom, lovingly creating a bit of software, putting it out on on their website and selling it and making a living. Is that now starting to come to a, to an end? And we now need to either become more diverse in ourselves, or if we can't do that, start partnering with more people to drive our businesses forward. I think that's a pretty pretty spot on analysis. But the, I think it, it's a. I think a, pro- a project involves all of those people you've just said, but those people don't have to be a team that all get together to do it. You know, it's quite possible for me to go to my bedroom and commission a designer to outsource my marketing, to you know, outsource someone to do a market survey for me, I, you know, to outsource my website design. But I am still the businessman making the end decision. Business is all about uh, re- return for risk. That's that's business isn't about developing products. It's about getting a reasonable return for a reasonable risk. And you know, businesses go wrong when the return didn't live up to the risk that was taken. Um, but you know, so part of the business is identifying. I need all those people. I sure, can't it's, do it it's, it's having an awareness. It doesn't mean you have to get all those people as, into your business no. and become a big business. No, no, you could work with them on a consultancy basis. But it's having that awareness that you don't have the skills to fulfil all those roles, and therefore you need to buy in outside expertise to help you with it you're you're not going to survive or make the best of your product or yourself by trying to do it all yourself particularly if you if you there are areas you're weak at so you need to have this awareness and it's got to be very very critical awareness of yourself of what your skills are and what you can do and actually what you can't do and you shouldn't bother even trying to do yeah and i think uh, yeah, I think there are some developers out there who are great businessmen. They're great marketers. I think there are some out there who are terrible businessmen. In my, and it is about identifying, not just if you can do it, because it's not about so, 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 lots of skills. You know, lots of marketing. You know, we, we talk about marketing as though it's like this weird, big open thing out there. But marketing is something you can learn, just like Objective C is something you can learn. I think it's a science, maybe slightly more fluffy at the edges. Um, 
but you can learn it and you can practice it and you can get better. You know, everyone think back to the very first application you ever wrote. You know, was it amazing? You know, or was it crap? I'm suspecting it was probably crap. You know, it's the same when we start marketing. We're going to be crap at it and we've got to get better at it. The point is, can I, does it, is my passion about it big enough that I can be bothered to get as good at that as I was at the development side, because the only reason I become a decent developer is because I kept at it and kept at it and kept learning and kept learning and kept going and kept going. Um, and I didn't expect to be able to produce the most fantastic products overnight. Um, and yet somehow I think if I just slap up a web page, you know, they'll come and I'll be a millionaire. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, does it? I mean, John, you, you work for a startup or with a startup now. I mean, and I suspect, you know, the startup that you've been very careful about, you know, building a balance of people to make this whole thing work. Absolutely. I mean, and that's what's been such a kind of a shocking happiness of it is having the resources at my disposal that 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 I had always wanted. I mean, I'd had to certain certain extents, but not with the constant, you know, with the the number and the power that 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 we all enjoy now. So, and it's I, I I'm sitting here listening to you guys and thinking you know if if I was just starting out and listening to you what would what conclusion would I draw I mean I think that it's important to say you know the reality is is whatever it is that you're doing you're going to suck at it first so be be happily suck at it and get better at it and just be be willing to take the the honest feedback and and realize if you're if you're not having the success that you're looking for there there is a reason for it and that reason is discoverable you may not want to but 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 it is definitely discoverable. Okay, here's here's why I'm going to kill myself. No, not literally. <laughs> Simon was getting quite excited then. <laughs> uh, um, okay, if you are a developer who seriously wants to be an indie, okay, here's what I say you should do. Stop listening to this podcast for a start and listen to a business podcast. Okay, we talk about tech stuff. You probably know tech stuff or you can learn stuff. Stop reading technical blogs. You probably already know enough technical stuff. Start reading marketing blogs. You know, start research, doing customer research, etc. Start putting your time that you're spending listening to this crap um, into listening to stuff that's going to improve you in those areas. And I know that becomes like, you know, but Scotty, we want to listen to your podcast because it's so awesome. Maybe not. Um, yeah, but that's it. It's about focusing as much passion and energy into learning the stuff we don't know. And if you genuinely can't do that, then you have to say, okay, is it time to find a partner? Is it time to actually accept I'm going to have to work for someone else and just just do the things I love? And and, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's quite demoralizing, I think, to spend six months of your life, nine months of your life writing a product, um, you know, which actually in, in consultancy terms could have been, you know, a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred $200,000 worth of work or whatever it might be. And it makes, you know, $17. But the, the the caveat is, I mean, you you covered it at the end. If you're not interested in the marketing or business side of it, don't go and try and do it because actually you'll probably make a bigger hash of it. Yeah. You can learn it if you're interested. You can learn it and you become good at it if you find it engaging. If you don't find it engaging or you're not interested, you're just going to make a real, real mess of it. Yeah, so go go find a couple of podcasts um, and, and listen to those. Um I'll tell you a really great podcast. I'm going to set you off on one way. Startups for the rest of us. 
Okay, um, it's a podcast about bootstrapping your own software startup. In other words, you do it while you're still consulting or you're still in your full time job, but the intention is to move into it full time. And it's not about you know, everything is focused on doing it that way. It's not about having investment money or anything like that. Go and listen to a podcast like that. If after two or three episodes, it's grinding you, it's the stuff about keyword research and, and all that stuff is, is grinding you down then I'm going to suggest you probably shouldn't be an indie. If you're thinking, this is quite interesting and quite challenging, then get out there and, 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 and have a look at it. But yeah, I think it's about being real here. Yeah, Who wants to set themselves up to fail? I don't. No, I don't, I don't think anybody does. Um, but that's where you need some degree of appreciation of your own skills. Because if you can't see where you're strong and where you're weak then you're not going to be able to make solid, effectively solid business decisions about what you should be doing and what you should be getting somebody else to do. But good business podcasts cover that sort of stuff because part of being a good businessman is knowing where you're strong and where you're weak. So when are we getting iBusinessman live? <laughs> yeah, watch your space. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't, I would love to do a podcast like that. I think, the, I think our, our community needs a podcast like that. But I'm just learning this stuff, I, and I'm getting quite excited by this stuff, as you can probably tell. Um, fortunately for me, I am quite interested in this stuff, so it, this is what's um, it can add there. But yeah, you know, I think the point is, it doesn't matter whether I think I'm going to be any good at learning it. It's it's what I do know is if I'm, and I think this is the same for most people. If it doesn't hold a certain level of excitement or interest for me, then it doesn't matter if I'm capable of learning or not capable of learning it. It's irrelevant. I won't learn it if I'm not interested. So that's the first test. Are you actually interested enough to deal with this stuff? Because if you're not, I'm just going to say, you know, for the sake of you and your family and everyone else, you know, really seriously consider is indie the way you want to go? Because, you know, ask, ask yourself, am I only prepared to spend 25% of my time coding and 75% of my time doing other stuff? And if that other stuff is going to be a grind, you know, why are you doing it to yourself? If it's interesting and you want to get better at it, Start investing time in that. Am I sounding like I'm preaching a bit? I'm doing so. I do apologise. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're actually making sense for once. I know, oh, but, thank you. but I was about to start shaking my tambourine. <laughs> there we are. Right. So now that now that I've um, had my my soapbox for for ten minutes, anyone else want to sort of say anything else? You know, I, the last thing I will say is that you know, despite everything that Scotty said, don't let it put off building something that you just do for love. There's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing something for love. It's only wrong if you're doing it for love, expecting it's going to make you a lot of money and you're not prepared to do the other side of the work. Absolutely. Yeah, doing stuff for love or as a hobby, that's fantastic. And I would also say don't be put off by one or even two failures to start with. Um, There are plenty of very successful people out there who've launched products. The first one, the first two, the first three have gone horribly wrong. But that's all part of the learning experience. And one of the things that will probably make you a good indie is the determination to continue and that drive to continue and the drive to actually produce things which are great and people want and people will love. Okay, here's a thought for you. What do developers think about this, right? You develop something and you develop it as absolutely as fast as you can. I'm, I'm, you know, it, I'm not going to put a time on it. it. Depends what the product is, but I mean, you know, you don't do your developer stuff. Yeah. You put an app out there that does something like 
the app you're thinking about and you just do the absolute bare minimum as fast as you can and you stick it in the store and you see if anybody downloads it. You know it's going to get one star, so you know it's not going to work very well. You know it's you're doing this stuff. But the point is, what you've got there is suddenly, I know that 10,000 people downloaded my app. That's now worth me going and doing this properly because 10,000 people did my app. As opposed to spending six to eight months developing that stuff and finding seven people downloaded my app. If you haven't destroyed your yeah. reputation, then yes, the ah, danger is if two you... developer accounts, my friend. Two developer accounts: your 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 uh, your test one and your uh, and your oh, sneaky, one. sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. I'm not as stupid as I look. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I especially guess because you it. can slag off in the other ones. Like unlike other <laughs> buttheads that, that release shoddy yeah. product, that product is solid. I spent years letting other people learning from other people's mistakes. <laughs> and you could do that. It, it could work, but I wonder whether if you're releasing something that's getting one star reviews because everybody says this is terrible that's going to kind of dent your enthusiasm. Yeah, and I know you're saying it's because of the UI or because it's not feature complete or anything else, but it's... I, I think you're better producing something that's a bit more polished that gives you a basic platform to build on rather than saying, here's a piece of crap, let's actually just see what sort of reactions we get. Okay, when I... I'm going to go, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm sure Matthew won't mind. I'm going to go back to um, our friend Matthew who developed the product EasyBooks. Yeah. What did we both think of Matthew's UI when he first released it? It needed a designer to help him. It did. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to use the word crap. It wasn't crap, but it needed a designer to help him. However, yeah, uh, me and you probably wouldn't have released that product like that. However, he released a product like that, and because it solved a user's problem, the fact that it didn't look as good as it could have done wasn't an issue to them. And the fact that a bit later it then looked better was an improvement, was great for them. But the point is, he solved somebody's problem. And I think you can put out apps that are really quite rough. If they solve a problem, people will put up with them. And that's that's you're not saying that they then should carry on putting up with them, but you're proving that you're solving a problem. But that that's the point. His first version, functionally, was solid. So the issue was really all to do with the cosmetics of the application. But it, it was... It, okay, it's a finance app, just so everybody knows, but it had virtually no functionality. It, yeah, yeah, the functionality has been built over the next three years. As a finance app, it had very few. What it did is it made what it did very easy. It didn't look great doing it, but it made what it did very easy. It didn't crash. I think crashing is different. If something crashes all the time, but you know, writing something quickly and put it out there doesn't mean it, it, it crashes all the time. We all know that you know we write the majority of a product in 20% of the time, and then it's 80% of the product in 20% of the time, and the last 20% takes the 80%. I'm talking about you know, scrap the scrap that last. 20% of work that takes 80% of the time, put the stuff out there and find out what people like about it. Now that, that, people, I could see people all over the world cringing because that goes against our Apple design ethos. No, I, I think, I think that's valid and there are a lot of developers out there who've released successful products who say, get a 1-0 out as soon as you can because you need to get people's reactions to it. And we are bad because people want to add polish and they want to add just one more feature and that's probably the biggest battle that an indie developer launching the first version of their application faces is where you put the line in the sand and say, that's it, now I'm going to release this. I'm not happy with it, but it's enough that people can try it out. 
but there's a difference between getting that far and releasing something that you know is really quite bad and will attract negative reviews. And I think you you have to push past that point of, I need to get something out within a week because otherwise I'm wasting my time. If you don't have pride in, in whatever you release, whether it's a version one, whether it's almost like a prototype, you're kind of, possibly maybe this is the Apple fanboy in me speaking, you're kind of denigrating yourself. You're not doing yourself any favours because you're not putting anything out there you can be proud of. Now you can put something out that's very basic that you can still be proud of because you know that it's got the basic functionality and the basic functionality works it doesn't have to be uh, a horrible horrible user experience and a hideous monstrosity with very little functionality for you to test the water no but i think most of us i would i would take a guess that most of us who buy into the apple ethos have probably set that minimum bar far higher than it actually needs to be to prove the point to ourselves Definitely. No, Which I means think we, we do. may we may spend extra we may spend up to fifty percent more time putting release one out than we might have had to in order to find out that no one actually wanted our product or actually yes, people love our products and this is gonna be the best way to spend the next five years of my life. Um I, I agree with everything you say, but I just think that bar is probably lower than most of us think it is. It, yeah, it probably is. Um but it's one of those things that's a very, very difficult judgment to make, particularly if you are a developer sitting working on your own if you haven't got someone else who can look over your shoulder and say actually that's fine let's just put that out there and see what it's like it's it's a very difficult decision to make because you know what's wrong with the application and you know what's missing from the application and so you're never going to be happy releasing it okay i think we could probably start going around in circles very quickly if we haven't already um John, you got anything you want to finish with? You'd be very quiet. Me, me and Simon have been in the same room here having a passionate argument over... I love being witness to your passion. No, I, over I, I, over I said cocktails. My, I said my piece. I think that, you know, you, I will just reiterate one more time. I think ultimately you should be doing things because you, you, you love working on it. It's what will sustain you when, when, when you're having to slog through those things. If you love it, that will show. You know, it will show when you talk to other people about it. It will show in, in how you write about it, think about it, present it. You know, you have to have something. You, you have to have that spark. Um, and if you have that, that's a good first start. Okay, I'm just going to wrap this up by repeating something John said because I think that was really, really important. I am talking about if you want to be an indie. In other words, this is a is much about making money doing what you love. Um, then you need to ask yourself these questions. If you just want to do the thing you love and the money's not important, then as John said, you go do it and don't care about any of the other stuff we've just said. That's, you know, that's, I think that's the summary of the message of today, I think. So, John, remind everybody where they can find you. You can find my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. You can read interesting blogs about it at memoryminer.com slash blog. And you can follow me on Twitter as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. I think the best place to find me is at swwritings.com. You can find me on Twitter as SGAW, and I'm on app.net as SW. And I'm Scotty. I'm on app.net is Scotty. Twitter is MacDevNet. You can find me at idevelopertv and nsconference.com. Thank you very much for listening, and um, we'll uh, see you all next time. Until then, you take care. Thank you, chat room as well. Actually, chat room been on topic today. Chat room is almost stunningly good today. That's because I haven't been in it. I think the fact that Simon isn't in it is the point. There we are. So So there we are. We should invite him to be a guest, even if he's not going to be one.
Yeah, that's true. Simon, you're on every week. We're just not going to use your recording. Okay, thank you, chat room. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you, people listening on the feeds. Bye-bye. Thank you.